hymn that says, I need thee every hour. The old, uh, my grandma used to have one of them clocks that used to, the old English clocks used to ding on the hour every time. And I remember her telling me one time, I said, why do you keep that clock? It's annoying. It's just because every time it rings, I know I need Jesus again. We need him every hour, amen. <clears throat> I want to encourage you that if you've never been on a freedom encounter, we moved the one we were doing, we were supposed to do yesterday, we moved it to September 16th because we only had about two people doing it. It's a lot of work to pull off. And so I want to encourage you that if you have never been, to go. But I want to extend this to you as well. If you've been here in Metairie and you've been through an encounter, there's a, a session that the Lord gave me that we've been doing for the encounters in Chalmette. That if you've already been through an encounter, you've already walked through it, but you've been through a storm, you've been through a battle, you've been through something, or you're going through something that's not brand new Christianity. It's called coming out of the cave. And I encourage you to sign up, even if you've already been on an encounter, because the Lord will do healing in you second time through. I want to encourage you to make sure you don't miss out on an opportunity. It's going to be a powerful weekend. Amen? Amen. If you would open your Bibles to John chapter 4 this morning. We're going to be doing two weeks from one, really two weeks from eight words. Two weeks from eight words. The title of my message this morning is John 435, Lift Up Your Eyes. Pray with me real quick. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would allow me to communicate this the way you want it done. Jesus, I want you to be glorified. I pray that every person on the sound of my voice leaves this place changed, wanting and knowing you more. And Father, I ask that you would allow the Spirit to do in these people this morning what you've been doing in me the past few weeks. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you a story. It's not a it's not a story that paints me in a good light. It's a story that paints me in a, a normal person light. So my daughter uh, was playing softball this past year, and I am not uh, – until the LSU Tigers were in the World Series, I was not a baseball guy. I just wasn't a big baseball guy, and I, I, y'all know I don't like the heat. So the last thing I'm trying to do is go watch a sport I don't like, getting bit by mosquitoes in the heat. I'm, that's not my, not my thing, right? So anyway, so – but, I mean, you got to go to your kids' baseball games. That's the way it works. So – I was going to the game, and I went to a few of them. And then this one night, um, I went, but I had just received a call, or I was waiting on a call from the contractor with the – no, a call from the attorney with the situation with the building in Chalmette. And I was – he had texted me, hey, I got to call you. Kind of have this for me and this for me, and I'm going to have some stuff for you. And those of you that may not know, we have a building in Chalmette that's tied up in a lawsuit because of some negligent contract work. It's a big old mess. Anyway. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm on my phone, and I'm texting Mia to get the information, and I'm making sure I got my stuff right, and I'm, and I'm on the phone, and I'm, I'm calling this person. I'm waiting because when he calls, I have to leave and go to the church. i got to do a meeting. And so I'm just constantly thinking on this, and I'm on my phone, and I hear my wife say, hey, babe, and I turn around, and Bethany is already at the plate, and she's about to bat. And I was like, oh, okay, so I stopped, and I, I watched her bat for a minute. Now, the first part that got me upset was almost missed my kid at, at the bat, right? That would have been a problem. But that's not what really convicted me. What convicted me was that I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing other parents in the bleachers comment on how Bethany was doing better at this game than the last game. And how, oh, look, her stance is better this time. She's holding the bat different. 
I bet she gets on base this time. And, like, they're commenting on my child's softball game. And I was clueless. And then I, I just sat back for a second and I watched as the next kid went up and the whole parent section is commenting on that particular child. And the next kid came up and the next kid came up. And I realized that not only were they more invested in my child's softball game than I was, I also realized that they were more invested in each other's lives than I was. And it didn't take me long to realize that they were invested in each other's lives over a softball game when I was put in their lives to bring them Jesus. Yet, I had never had a conversation with a single one of them. Because I was so busy doing the things that I need to be doing. I was doing things that were important. I was doing things that mattered. And again, here I am in the middle of, like, if, 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 if we fishermen, I'm standing in the middle of a school of speckled trout, and I'm not throwing my pole in the water. And it, it, it convicted me. And this sermon series was already, this, this stuff was already in the calendar. It was prepared. But, but when I tell you the Lord, this is the beginning of June, when the Lord grabbed my heart for this, I, I didn't even know what to do because there was only two baseball games left. And I was going to be out of town for one of them. <laughs> so, like, it wasn't like I could stand up and just start preaching. And I realized that I missed an opportunity because my eyes weren't lifted. John chapter 4, verse 31. See, before I read, I want to make sure I say this. There are things that you and I are responsible for, that we have to be stewards of. There are things in our lives that, that we got to do because if we don't, nobody else is. Right? If nobody else bathes my children other than me and my wife, they're going to smell. If nobody else feeds my children... My wife and I, I mean, somebody's going to figure out they're not eating and come cook. But you understand, it's going to be a problem. Somebody else, if, if nobody else makes sure my grass gets cut, I mean, if I don't, I'm going to have to pay somebody to do it. But it's my job to make sure it gets done. There are things that we are responsible for. And so this morning, I'm not, this message, even next week, they're not about you abandoning your responsibilities. The next two weeks are about a priority check. That's what this, it's a priority check on not that what I'm doing isn't important, but what I'm called to do and commanded to do by my Lord and Savior needs to jump off the list a little bit. John chapter 4, verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And the next week is look at the fields. For they are already white with harvest. Let me give you some background here this morning. John chapter 4 is the story of the woman at the well. It's a Samaritan woman. To give you an idea, Jews and Samaritans did not communicate, did not talk. It would be like back in the 60s, it was one side of the train tracks and the other side of the train tracks, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. So they did not communicate. They did not interact with each other. And Jesus, has to, he's traveling through the countryside. And rather than go around Samaria like most Jews would have done, Jesus went right in the middle of Samaria and ends up outside this village called Sychar. And when they get there, the disciples take it upon themselves because they, they have things they have to do. The disciples say, we're going to go into town and we're going to buy some food. 
and they leave Jesus by himself. And Jesus ends up at the well with a Samaritan woman. Now, there are so many cultural things that I'm not going to dive into right now about why this was so rare. But just take my word for it. This is a very rare situation for a Jewish man to be alone with a Samaritan woman. And they're at the well, and they begin to have this conversation. You know the story. Jesus asks her for water. She's like, why do you want water from me? And he says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water. You have no pail to fetch the water. Water, I'm going to give you and never thirst again. And he ends up reading her mail, saying, you've been with five husbands. The man you went now is not your husband. Boom, have eternal life. He, He reads her like a book. And she goes back to the town and tells everybody. And she's on her way back out. And at the same time that she's on her way back out leading this whole village, the disciples come out. And the disciples are like, they're good people. They they genuinely mean well. But I feel bad for the disciples because for the last 2,000 years, their good efforts and their humanity has been basically a what-not-to-do lesson for the rest of Christianity. They're amazing. I can't wait to meet them. Like, sorry, I preached about you a lot, you know. And he says, Rabbi, eat. They come up to Jesus saying, Rabbi, eat. And he's like, y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get what's happening right now. You don't understand. And when Jesus says here, lift up your eyes, I want to let you know that this story is revealing three things that Jesus does. And he almost expects from us. There are things that we as believers are supposed to understand about why We are who we are, why his spirit lives in us, why he died on the cross for us. This is not a life that is meant to be just enjoyed. This is not he didn't die on the cross so we could sit in comfy chairs, sip nice lattes and talk about seven points to a better marriage. He died to fill us first to save us from sin and then to fill us with his spirit so that we could take his spirit and his love and go find somebody else and let him save them from sin. That is the whole purpose behind it. But because we get so caught up in our responsibilities and so caught up in the American dream and so caught up in so many things, our eyes aren't lifted. And Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes, because the first thing I want to show you this morning is that Jesus expects. Jesus told them, he expected them to be concerned with what concerned him, but they were concerned with what concerned them. They had gone into town, and they, they, they come back, and they say, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. Well, why were they concerned with that? Well, number one, they still think that Jesus is their meal ticket to being king of Israel. So they still have political aspirations by supporting Jesus because they understand that the Messiah is going to set them free from Roman rule and set up a new kingdom. And they're thinking that we're going to stick with Jesus and we're going to be ruling and reigning over a whole country. And it's going to be awesome. And so their mindset, we got to keep Jesus right. It's like that, like. When you want a basketball team and four of y'all are awful and one of y'all are amazing, like when I play with Raph. He's real good and I'm not. So I got to make sure that Raph is good and he's protected and all so that he can score all the points because Lord knows I can't make a shot if the, the goal was as wide as a barn. So it's all good. So we got we to protect the good guy here because we, 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 he's, the guy, he's the ticket. And so they come out and they say, Rabbi, eat. But the reason that they're pushing, I, I, did, I dove into this a little bit this week, and the Greek when they're saying rabbi eat, the Greek wording isn't, isn't in a servant manner. Like, here we got you some food. 
The way it's being said is, hey, look at what we did for you. We went and got you food. We're thinking about you. We're thinking about what you need. We're thinking about what you want. How many times do we do that? How many times do we live our lives as Christians and think that what we're doing is what God wants us to do? And I find this, the more ministry I do, the easier it is to fall into that. Because this is what God wants me to do. I'm working on this. I'm working on this, what God wants me to do. And, and, and they're suggesting, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 1 and 2. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. How often do we push on him what we want rather than letting him impress upon us what he wants? There was a song that came out in like 05, 06. It's called Hosanna. And the bridge of the song said, break my heart for what breaks yours. If we prayed, if we lived this life from the perspective of Jesus, I want to hurt by what hurts you. I want to smile at what makes you smile. I want to be motivated by what motivates you. I want to be enraged by what enrages you. I want to be broken to sadness over what makes If we lived from that perspective, I would venture to say our lives, our priorities, and our daily routine might look a little bit different. But we don't do that because most of the time, we don't want to admit it, we are more like the disciples than we are Jesus. Like in all four Gospels, if you read the four Gospels, most of us have more in common with the knuckleheads of the disciples than we do the Master. Why? Because we have humanity in here. We are still fleshly, we still have desires, and we think like a person more than we think like Jesus. But Jesus expects us to see what he sees and to feel what he feels. He, why? Because he wouldn't have given us his spirit otherwise. He wouldn't have placed his spirit in you and I if he didn't expect us to feel what he feels. He didn't expect us to, to want what he wants. And see, what happened at that baseball game, that, that softball game that night, is I went from saying, Rabbi, eat, to feeling what he felt. That's somebody who's been preaching since he was 16 years old. This year makes 20 years. I've, I've been preaching for 20 years, yet I was in an audience, a full audience, of people who do not know the Lord and preaching didn't come anywhere near my mind. Sharing the gospel wasn't even the top 10 thing on my mind. Because I wasn't concerned with what he was concerned with. So the first thing is he expects us to be concerned with what concerns him. He expects us to have our eyes lifted. The second thing is that Jesus reveals 27 times in the New King James Version the phrase, having ears to hear is said in the new testament it's at least 27 i, I didn't dig too much because it's worded a few different ways other times but you if you've read the bible any length of time you've heard jesus say he who has ears let him hear now i'm pretty sure that we all understand that jesus is not talking about ears because we all have them if you are not sure just kind of go to the side of your head and pat they should be there if they're not we'll pray he makes them grow. He's not talking about, he's talking about people who are tuned in to his spirit. Like the radio. 
People don't use radio anymore. But if you go to your radio, especially on AM, and you go scroll through, you may get to 870 AM, which is the local, you know, New Orleans news station. But if you go to 910 AM, you're not getting much of a clear signal of anything. And what the problem is, is that a lot of times we have people who are in church, but they're not tuned into the right frequency. They're not tuned into what he's saying. They're getting jarred. You ever been like one dial off? 87, 8, 870 at 875, and you're hearing the, the, the person talking. You're hearing the news, but it's, it's all jarbled up. There's so many people living for Jesus, but it's a jarbled transmission because they're tuned into him and to the world, tuned to him and to themselves. And Jesus reveals what he's saying is he wants us to understand that you and I will never see the harvest with these eyes. We will never hear what he's trying to say with these ears. Why? Because there's always something in our lives that will be more obvious and be noisier. Always. If you don't believe that, you don't have small children. Like there is nothing that is louder when you're trying to get something done than small kids. Nothing. The other morning I got up and I was going to do my devotion and I got my little routine, make my coffee, get my Bible, boom, ready to read. And, and I have now switched to my dining room table because leg, uh, um, some blocks have robbed my spirit of peace in the morning like two days in one week. I'm trying to be quiet. I'm trying to go to my spot and I walk out and I step on those demons from hell because they were not picked up. And thank God for the blessed assurance, because if not, I'd, I'd, I'd put a hole in a wall because I'm trying to be quiet and it hurts. And, you, and then and you, one time I did it. This is a true story. I stepped on one with this foot. And when I went to regain my balance, this foot, I kicked the sofa and stubbed my toe. So I got both feet going out of me at the same time because of one block. I want to take the blocks and throw them in the street. Right. But they're always louder. There's always going to be something in your life that is noisier. Than him. But he says, but he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. I've got to make sure every morning, even if I've got 30 seconds, Jesus, I need to hear what you're saying. I need to hear what you're saying. But it's a it's a it's one of our five senses. So Jesus, I want to hear what you're saying. I want to see what you're seeing. Lord, I want to feel what you're feeling. Lord, I want to smell what you're smelling. I want to know what you're experiencing today. Because, see, I'm going to say a couple things this morning that might make some people upset, but it's all right. We are opinionated people. I don't know if you knew that. If not, just get on social media. Just get on social media and just make any type of statement. Someone's going to disagree, right? It's just going to happen. And what I have noticed is that Christians especially, we get emboldened by certain things that just fire us up. We, we do. We, we get lit up over certain, and, and they're good things to be lit up about. They're injustices. They're evils in the world. For I know people who eat, sleep, and breathe pro-life movement because abortion is an injustice of epic proportion in our nation. More babies have been aborted than soldiers killed in the Vietnam War. It, it's, it's, it's 
unimaginable, the horror that is taking place with abortion. I've seen a lot of people posting lately about that new movie, The Sound of Freedom, that's out, about the sex trafficking and the child trafficking. And, and, and I know I'm going to go, so I haven't seen it yet. I know what's going to happen when I go watch the movie. I'm going to want to go home, get my AR-15, and start kicking outdoors. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know how to do that, but I'll just get in the line with somebody else, and we're just going to kick in some doors. We're going to go find, we're going to save some babies. That's what we're going to do. We're going to figure it out. Because that infuriates me. I mean, I mean, you talk about make me angry. Let somebody stand in front of me and tell me it's not a problem. Let somebody stand in front of me and tell me that it's not a, an issue that we need to be careful of and mindful of, that people are literally kidnapping children getting orphans and taking babies across the border and selling them into the sex trade, the sex trade. Like, 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 like let's have that conversation. I mean, y'all, it gets me so angry. Yeah, when was the last time we were that emotionally invested in our neighbor meeting Jesus? See, it don't happen. Because we're not tuned in to what he's saying. We get fired up over a political argument. We get fired up over a particular stance that we can take because there's somebody on our Facebook feed that, that doesn't think it's that big of a deal or is supporting a political party that we think might lean in that direction. And we get so fired up over it that we get go back and forth. We debate. And, and I want to let you know something, right? Like posting on Facebook takes about this much effort and has about this much of a cost. The worst thing that could happen is you end up in Facebook jail. There's so little cost to saying it. There's so little cost to getting out there and, and making this stance about how we got to go see this movie. And I saw something the other day. I got off Facebook. I was getting too mad about it. Um, somebody posted the other day that theaters around the country are turning off the air conditioned units in the theaters that are showing this movie to prevent people from going to see it. Now, why in the world? Why? Why? I don't. Why? Right? That just doesn't make. That just. Anyway. Why? And 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 I saw it. And but that's not what got like that's that's ridiculous and it makes me upset. What got me upset was I read the comment section and I read the boldness that believers were talking with and I read the fire that was coming out of them in regards. And listen to me. I am not by any means diminishing the evil. Of the, of the sex trafficking. I'm not diminishing the evil of this stuff going on. I'm not talking about it like we're overdoing it. What I'm saying is that I'm, I'm reading all of these people and they're so fired up and they're so angry, yet I guarantee you none of them have invited a single person to church in the last year. Why? Because there is so little of a social cost attached to our Facebook post. But if I invite my neighbor over to my house for dinner to begin to start sharing them the love of Jesus, there's a much bigger cost attached to that. Now, I ain't going to do that. I, I, I'm not, they don't want to hear it. But I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm going to become the most uh, pro-life advocate on the planet. Man, hush. That's what I'm like. Stop. See, I'm, I'm never, I don't care how angry that movie Sound of Freedom makes me. The reality is I'm never kicking down a door. Like it's, I, I, I do not have access. And if I try to kick down a door, I'm probably not strong enough. I'm going to just hurt my leg. But chances are I'm never going to be in a position to be involved in a raid to kick down a door to save kids out of a shipping container. It's probably never going to happen. 
But what do I have opportunity to do? Walk across the street. What do I have opportunity to do? Go to the girl in the office next to me. What do I have opportunity to do is talk to that guy that I play cornhole with once a week or go to the gym with three days a week. I could talk to him. But see, I don't want to do that because that, that, I get nervous about that. I get, I, that costs too much. That got too much of a, of a problem. Well, if you'd like to know what costs too much, it's hanging on a tree butt naked and getting crucified. That's what costs too much. But Jesus did not consider the cost worth more than our eternity when he did it. So you and I, I think we can make a better effort of making sure that we cross the street, of making sure that we bring the reality of the people lost and dying and going to spend an eternity without Christ. We could raise the priority of that issue up just a little bit, I think. Again, I am all for standing for life. I am all for stopping the trafficking. I'm, I'm all for it. Sign me up. But don't come to me and ask me to support it if we're not somehow connected to people being brought from darkness into light. Don't do it. Because I'm going to say this. Jesus didn't die to stop abortion. Jesus didn't die to end sex trafficking. Jesus didn't die to end drug addiction. Jesus died to take sinners and make them saints. That's why Jesus died. And any time that I elevate any other cause to the same level of that, I'm in idolatry. No, I need to make winning the lost and discipling people and showing people the love of Jesus. I need to make that the thing I'm the most passionate about, the thing I'm the most indignant about. That's what needs to be driving me. Because here's the catch. If more people meet Jesus, you'll have less abortions. If more people meet Jesus, you'll have less sex trafficking. If more people meet Jesus, we'll have less drug addicts. Why? Because the power of it's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. That's what it is. That's why Paul says... I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people who are not ashamed to be pro-life, but they're ashamed to be Christians. People who are not ashamed to be anti-trafficking, but they're ashamed to be Christians. Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. Jesus reveals it to us. And I sat at that ballpark, and he revealed to me the condition that I was in. He revealed to me the fact that I had other things higher placed than this. And listen carefully. I'm not saying that I'm going to go up to every person I meet and give them a gospel presentation. I'm not saying that's the case. What I'm go saying is I want to have ears to hear because next today, right, we're going to be at Caitlin's aunt's house on the lake. Just going to visit some family. But I'm going to have my ears tuned in. Because if I get an opportunity, I want to make sure that I seize it. If, if, if somebody makes a statement that I can somehow connect to the gospel, and see, this is the problem. See, it's, it's harder for us preachers because we can pretty much connect anything to the gospel. You can talk about hot dogs. I'll figure out a way to talk about it. You know, the hot dog balling in a pot. I want to ball in a pot for eternity. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You, you better get the hot dog out the pot. Get you out the pot, too. Let's get you Jesus. We can put you in a bun. It's going to taste better. Put some chili on it. And it's be, eternity is going to be better than you are right now. It's going to improve you. Look at that. A salvation message on a hot dog with chili and cheese. How do you like that? Right? So my issue is not being able to communicate the gospel. My issue is my ears are tuned to other things. Lord, forgive us. Because, see, Jesus expects us to care about what he cares about. And Jesus will reveal to you and I where his heart really is he'll reveal things to us we'll see it if we're tuned into it because lastly 
Jesus paid. Jesus paid. At the end of the day. And see, this is how I know that evangelism and winning the lost and seeing souls saved has to be number one. You want to know why I know this? And this is, this is a tough pill to swallow in our culture. Because Jesus cares as much about the soul of the child in the shipping container as he does about the man who put them there. That is something we cannot understand without the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget, I forgot who said it a few years ago when ISIS was at its, at its height and it was kidnapping Christians and beheading Christians and it was, you could, it was all over the internet. You could see, I remember saying all that. I remember being angry. Like, I mean, just go bomb them. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's just dudes with machine guns. We're Americans. Let's go smoke these dudes. That's what I was thinking. And then somebody said, you know who, who was ISIS? Paul. The Apostle Paul was ISIS before the Damascus Road. And I, sat, I, I shut my mouth. I stopped talking like an American. Instead of talking like a believer. When you think that Jesus died for the, the woman standing in front of the abortion clinic, trying to drown out the people praying and being rude, and Jesus died for her. Jesus died for the doctor performing the abortion. Jesus died for the guy peddling the drugs. Jesus died for the person cooking them up and making them and sitting in their big old mansion. Jesus died for the people that are organizing all these, these rings that they're passing. Jesus died for them too. We want to make a real difference? Let's get them saved. But we don't think this way. We don't think this way because our eyes aren't lifted. I sat at that ballpark like this, doing my work, doing my stuff, doing what I thought, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. I'm talking to the lawyer. I'm getting the building ready so we can have more services and air-conditioned buildings with cool sound systems. I'm, I'm working on it. God, I'm doing it. We're going to have a coffee shop so we can have nice-tasting coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm Eat, Rabbi, eat. I'm doing this for you. Pay attention. I'm doing it for you. Yet I'm sitting surrounded by 30 people who don't know him. Somebody asked one time, how do you know if they don't know him? I said, they don't know him until I know they do. That person could be a born-again believer going to every church in the city. That's fine. But until I know they are, i got to see him as they're not. Lift up our eyes. we got to lift up our eyes. Romans chapter 5. For while we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Go back to that one verse, honey. For the ungodly. You could take that word out and you could put in any specific ungodliness you want. And I would encourage you that if there's a particular area in your heart that you don't care about, that you, you are filled with anger towards, put their name right. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the addict. Christ died for the sex trafficker. Christ died for the pimp. Christ died for the drug dealer. Christ died for the arrogant businessman. Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, for scarcely for, for, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man 
someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love in this, is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Lord, lift up my eyes. Get my eyes up. Help me not to neglect my responsibilities, but help me to hurt for what you hurt for. Help me to bleed for what you bleed for. Help me, help me to weep over what you weep for. Help me to be driven by what drives you. Help me to see what you see and feel what you feel. Because I can promise you that, yes, there's a lot of pain. And I'm not saying that God doesn't call people to certain missions and ministries to, to go and stop those. And I'm not saying that that's the case, that that is true. People, God calls people to do those things because they're injustices and they have to be dealt with. And as ambassadors of the kingdom, it's our responsibility to make sure that we do the best we can to stop it. I'm not denying any of those things. But what I am saying to you is that while some of us have a specific calling to do certain things, every single believer who's born again and filled with the Spirit has a calling. And it's found in Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, go and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Good Idea or the Great Suggestion. It's called the Great Commission. He is commissioning you. He's giving you power and commissioning you, sending us out to go do this. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't know how I could ever do that. I barely know Jesus. Well, you know Jesus more than somebody who doesn't know him at all. I don't know any Bible verses. Well, change that today. You at least know the Bible's real. Paul lays out 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul never had it all figured out. He just followed Jesus. But I got to lift up my eyes. I got to lift up my eyes. Because see, if my eyes aren't up, I'll never be able to look to the field. That's next Sunday. I'll never be able to look and see what's out there. I'll miss it right in front of me every single time. And the bottom line is, is we're all, all of us are sitting in this chair because somebody had their eyes up. Somebody did. Somebody thought, I got to invite that person. Somebody said, I got I to gotta, I gotta get that person here. Somebody said, I got to pray for that person. Somebody did. So this morning, would you bow your heads with me? You may be here today and you may be saying, Pastor Chris, I've never given my life to Jesus. I'm... Um, he doesn't live in my heart he, he's not Lord of my life I've never surrendered to him as I just said that he when we were yet sinners Christ died for us you may be here you may still be lost in sin 